Hey, I'm Paul Shipper. Um, you're listening to the Master One podcast, and you can find me at Paul Shipper on Twitter. Welcome to this Sandbox episode of the Master of One podcast, part two for this week. This week we talked to designer, speaker, and creative director Gordon Reed. I'm Andrew, your Master of Art and Design. I'm Patrick, your Master of Television and Film. And I'm Luke, your Master of Toys and Games. So get your passports ready, because it's time for a trip across the pond. We always go across the pond. Let's go somewhere else. So for this sandbox episode, we're excited to talk to somebody who uh, whose work really honestly speaks for itself. But we're excited to dive in and talk to designer, speaker, and creative director Gordon Reed. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Gordon to the show. Ooh. I just want to welcome. Yeah, that was great. That's <laughs> good. You, you're among you're among company. Um, so. Gordon, uh, at, at a quick glance, we will notice that you have a slightly different accent than the three of us. I do. Yeah. That is true. Yeah. Yeah. So you are, you, you hail from across the pond as it were, but give everybody what we like to call the Wikipedia page about yourself, get people up to speed on who you are and, and what you do. Okay, cool. Well, I, uh, so I run a company called middle boop. Um, I've been running that since university, uh, so for about 11, 12 years now. And I started out, the whole idea behind what I do uh, and what I wanted to do was to just work in the music industry. And especially at the time, like that, you know, 10, 12 years ago, uh, I mean, obviously, you guys know there's a massive call for screen printing in, in America, screen sure. printing yeah, for concerts and gigs. And there really wasn't anything going in the UK at all. Like you might get a few posters, but it, it wasn't really that beautiful kind of screen print. Um, so that's how it all started, really. I, I just um, I kind of started running zines and then started doing screen prints for, for bands that I liked. Uh, and basically I, on top of that, I had a music blog where uh, – it was just something that I started uh, at university, um, but getting contacts from like labels, management, PR guys, bands, uh, I was then able to go, hey, you know, this kind of blog that no one really reads apart from the PR people themselves <laughs> and maybe my mother, um, shall I do some artwork for you? And and that kind of happened. That started happening and uh, I started going on tour with bands around Europe and, and the UK and, and selling my artwork. Uh, and then uh, that kind of led to doing like, editorial work for all sorts of like computer, make, like, computer arts and communication arts, those sort of guys. Mm. Yeah. Uh, then moved into advertising. Uh, because, you know, music industry doesn't really pay that well. <laughs> <laughs> surprise, surprise. <laughs> Surprise, yeah. When you said going on tour with bands, I like immediately I thought, how much artwork can a band require while they're on tour? And then I had this picture of you like sitting to the side of the stage doing like caricature drawings of like people <laughs> in the audience or something. It didn't click. Yeah, I was that weird dude that did that stuff, man. Yeah. <laughs> at a punk show, just going at it. 
Yeah, so, uh, do, doing the, the lead singer with a, a massive head on a wave runner with dolphins jumping over him in the yeah. background. Yeah. Oh, you've seen my work. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. You also, you did a, a, a quick stint at Bush Gardens, right? Like oh, yeah. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. So then, wait, were you a musician at all? Or it was just you enjoyed being around like the scene, like the like certain bands or groups or anything? Well, no, I, yeah, that, the thing was, I, I, you know, I had a, a couple of failed bands when I was like a teenager and uh, I could never get all of uh, enough people to, you know, when I was a teenager, I wanted to play Sonic Youth kind of music and like, the Melvins and stuff. And all of the guys in my band wanted to sound like, uh, who was it at the time? Like emo kind of music, mm. but like bad emo, not at the driving kind of stuff, like uh, Screamo. Sort yeah, of gotcha. So I could never really like get the right people together to make the sort of music I wanted to. So my kind of reaction to that after uh, seeing a few friends get fairly successful with bands was to go, you know what, I'm going to play to my strengths and see if I can do some artwork for people. Yeah. Uh, so then taking that then, and I because I, I cut you off where you were going with it, moving into, um, okay, this is great and I'm playing to my strengths, but now I, I need to also make money while playing to my strengths. Uh, what was that like transitioning into um, actually getting into advertising for, I assume, things outside of the music industry? Yeah, yeah. They don't have the budgets for that sort of stuff, but, um, <laughs> advertising. Uh, yeah, it was great. It was really different, but it, it felt like the perfect time to do it, really. I was, I was at that point where it was, um, you know, I was living in London and uh, I, I'd, I'd sort of achieved a certain amount of what I wanted to do, really, with, with working with musicians and realized I really hated working with musicians most of the time. Because <laughs> um, like advertising can be unprofessional but working with musicians is they can get away with anything mm. like you know it's a different world yeah, um, yeah absolutely so the transition was great really it, it just felt like the right time and it, it was different because it i sort of i went from managing my own clients and working with directly with clients to kind of then working through various chains of command to then do the work um sure. but I, I kind of found that uh, especially after a while, there was a time when I was doing advertising one week, illustration the next, and, and balancing the both. And then I got I got I joined Saatchi and Saatchi uh, in 2015, uh, and that was that was all through a friend of mine. I sent a, a book of my illustration work, and we used to work at another agency together. And uh, he phoned me up and said, "Do you want to have an interview?" Or like a meeting, or like a, still as like a freelance kind of thing. Sure, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I missed the meeting, which is something I've only done that once uh, because my friends, uh, a band called Mogwai, who I was doing artwork for, uh, played two shows back to back in London, and I didn't really get much sleep. So, yeah, sure. <laughs> like, woke up having missed it, and was like, I can't believe I've done this. This, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah, uh, and then he phoned me up like about two weeks later, and was like. Um, you missed that meeting, didn't you, Gordon? <laughs> oh, yes, sir. I'm really sorry, sir. I missed the meeting. Yeah, he's like, that's all right, mate. Do you want to come in and work? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll do that. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, and so we got to this point where at that point I was running the music website, which had grown quite a lot. We had about 70 writers were, uh, writing uh, articles and editors and photographers. And um, it got to the point where I was editing it where I realized my role had gone from enjoying going to gigs and festivals and stuff and and interviewing musicians and 
working on that side, to, basically to kind of just uh, babysitting bands and writers. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and so I just said, when I, when I went to Saatchi, it was a three-week deal. It was to work on one ad. Um, and I said, I'm going to put the website to one side and forget about it. And if I miss it, then I'll carry on doing it when sure. I get back. Um, but if I don't, then I'm going to sort of wash my hands of that and I'm going to just focus on advertising. And the three weeks turned into like a year and a half. Um, yeah. And it what are you saying with working with Saatchi and Saatchi? That's right, yeah. Like managing a couple of accounts or, or one account rather and, um, and working on various different things. And it was just that time when I just I realized that like, actually – I love being on this side. I love being the art director mm. rather than being the, the poor person that's <laughs> like at 2am being art directed by someone. So let's, uh, so that, that makes me very curious. And I didn't realize you'd worked at Saatchi and Saatchi. And so yeah. they are huge. Uh, for anyone that's listening and doesn't know, and uh, the best way to most recently uh, the the that's a tide ad. That's something that they worked on that they crafted that campaign for the, the Super, uh, Super Bowl. Bowl. But yeah. Um, so we were talking beforehand, middle boop is, um, kind of, that was really my introduction to you is through that. So we had Dave Clayton on the podcast, uh, you know, a month and a half or whatever it was ago. And he, he spoke very highly of you and said, we should check it out, sent, sent the middle boop website. And, um, and I really didn't know what middle boop was. Uh, and I've just been calling you middle boop ever since that's how I've been referring to you. Um, and I know now that that's, now that's the, the company that you've, that, that you run, that you've created and evolved over the last decade. That you so, actually have a name. That's yeah, that you have a name. Your name is Gordon. <laughs> it's not like middle boop read. Um, <laughs> but, but so moving from an environment like Saatchi and Saatchi to then now running middle boop, what kind of pushed that transition? Or, or I, I mean, I don't know if you went directly from one to the other, but what, what made you want to get out of that environment, which is in many ways like, at least I perceive it as like the big leagues of advertising oh, to yeah. then, yeah, managing um, your your own uh, agency or or however you refer to it. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that was it. I mean, I, you know, I, I really love it there, and it was it was definitely the sort of catalyst uh, working in that environment because you know you really are working with like some of the most talented creatives and designers and, and people like that. And I just, I sort of got to that point where, um, I'd left, I left one summer, um, and, uh, I set up a little studio and I, I kind of, I didn't really know what I was doing at the time, but I knew that I wanted a, a bit of time out of the advertising world because it is, you know, it, it's very intense, especially at that level when you're working with those sort of people, it can be very intense. And uh, so I kind of felt like for that year at the time, I'd kind of put middle boot to one side and, and just sort of focused on, uh, I suppose, learning again, mm-hmm. developing my career, developing what I wanted to do. And, you know, over that time, I really changed. Like I didn't go into Saatchi thinking, I'm going to stay here, I'm going to become an art director and I'm going to design ads. I really thought I'd, I'd do this one ad for, uh, well, it was for Ariel, but I'd, strangely I have, I do work for Tide when I work with those guys. <laughs> uh, strangely said that, but, um, uh, but I did, I, I really sort of fell in love with it. And, um, 
but yeah, it, it sort of came to that time where I just felt like, I don't know, I really got, because obviously the perks of, of working there are great as well. Like um, they have like a bar, like this secret bar that you have to go into. And yeah, they've got loads of cool That's stuff cool. going on there. Yeah like a gym and uh, yeah, yeah, weird. Um, so, you know, I don't have that, any of that <laughs> running in studio. Right. Yeah. Well, you have kitchen cabinets, which you can, that's, we know about cab- it now, so it's not secretive. So Cabinets full of candy. Yeah. Basically <laughs> that's what we've got here. Just pouring uh, candy, just pouring out. Yeah. It's like the M&M's advert, right? You open the cupboards and it's <laughs> yeah just a chaos absolute chaos um but yeah i think so basically i went back i set up the studio for a little bit and uh obviously it was a bit of a struggle because you're finding your own clients and and starting to work in a different way um so i actually went back to sarchi for about five months uh and worked on a like one account excuse me one account and um that was when I was like, okay, I, I need, I properly need a break from this now. It wasn't that great. So, um, that was when, uh, I, I kind of, the people that I've been working with strategy people and kind of more sort of brand focused people, I realized actually I quite enjoy branding mm. people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, because you know, you, you illustrate someone or you, you know, you create an illustration and you've got ownership over it. Right. You go into advertising and you have ownership over a certain amount of work. And if it's, you know, if it's your idea, you can say, Hey, that's my idea. But if you're, if you're just designing on a campaign, designing a campaign, then there could be 15, 20, 30 people involved. And it's, it's quite hard to put your stake in that piece of work. Right. Um, But with branding, if you, if you get those clients direct to you, that's that's your ownership. That's your idea. That's, you know, you can take it from just being that initial spark to the final piece, and it's out there, and and you can be proud of that. And and that's what I wanted to do. So I took a little time to actually kind of position myself as as not being the guy that did illustrations for bands or or films or whatever it was. So let, let me ask a question then. So, uh, referencing your state of mind right so you you were doing work with bands you got this opportunity you saw it as an opportunity and then had the wherewithal to say okay i'm gonna set this aside for three weeks you said it was three weeks yeah that's right yeah how how long you thought it was gonna be and you said i'm going to intentionally set this aside put all my attention and focus on this one thing and then if after all of that, I still have a desire and a passion for this, then I'll come back to it. Um, now, obviously, it shook out to be a little bit longer than those three weeks. But yeah. have you always had a, a proclivity to, to being mindful of stuff like that? Do you always go into, whether it's a project or a job or whatever it is in life, with that amount of intentionality? Because that seems like that's a pretty mature step to take. Well, thank you, Andrew. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, do I say thank? No, I say you're welcome. I don't know how that works. Stop. Let's just don't, don't say thank you to me at all ever again. Cause it (laughs) throws me off. (laughs) Um, No, but, but like, is that something that you've always been that you've always trended toward? Like what, what is, where does that come from? 
That's a great, that's a really good question. Um, uh, yeah, I think so. I think definitely nowadays I'm, I'm a lot more aware of, of what I'm getting into and why I'm doing it and the reasoning behind it. I mean, um, yeah, I, pretty much every project before I take it on, there's, there's a lot of questions I ask myself. Um, you know, obviously you talk about finance is a big thing. Uh, and then, and then I also kind of plan out, well, you know, is it going to benefit my career in some way? Am I going to learn something from the project? You know, what's that sort of, um, what's the value in it in each project? And, um, yeah, that definitely that, that particular time was, was huge because, you know, I had no idea what was going to happen. Right. Yeah. And for the age that you are at at this point, at least if I'm tracking appropriately, you're, you're a young adult at this point. Right. And it would be easier to just end the question at, is this going to benefit me financially? Yes. Okay. I'll do it. And I think a lot of people, (laughs) that's the only question they ask. Um, And not that that's wrong, but I think that what, what you do, or at least what you, uh, a practice that you've, that you've worked out is, it, I think it better answers the question of at the end of this, will I have had, will I have added value to my own life, to my own brand, and do, will I feel satisfied on the other side of it? And before you take on that project, you've answered, you've asked a lot of those questions, at least whether you've answered them or not, I don't know. But um, I think there's something that, there's something there for people who are just getting started in this or who have been doing it for a long time and feel stuck or whatever. Um, there's something there to be grasped and uh, I don't know, to, to be heated, I think in that. And, and it's, it's admirable at least. And at most it's very, very inspiring. Um, Cause I don't, I don't usually do that. Right. Like I'm one of those people who's <laughs> like, okay, well I get paid for this. How much will I get paid? Cool. All right. Do I have extra time? I'll do it. <laughs> like, yeah. But there's more to it than that, right? I mean, there's more to the the question than that. Yeah, very much so. I think it's just, um, yeah, it's important to question these things because you know we we don't have a lot of time. I mean, it's. I think uh, certainly around that time, it was I, I was becoming very aware that I was like to well over twenty five, and uh, I was approaching the big the big three zero. <laughs> Dave Clayton has, has long since gone past. <laughs> and, uh, but it was just like, yeah, yeah, I mean, you need to ask these questions, I think. Um, is it going to be beneficial? And, and if it's not, then, well, sometimes if it's just the money, you take the money. That's cool, too, because we've, uh, we've all got to eat. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, I, I think it's good to yeah ask those questions. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm hard. I can be hard to work with, you know, when I'm getting that stuff right because, yeah, I know what works and I know what doesn't. And you know, I get people. I've had a lot of people recently ask to pay by the hour. Hey, I'm going to pay you by the hour. I'm like, I don't, I don't want to deal with that. <laughs> pay by the hour nonsense. Yeah. One guy uh, yesterday wanted. Uh, he said, "Yeah, this is how it's going to work." we're going to pay by the hour uh, and we're going to record your screen so we know what you're doing uh, at all times and uh, how does that sound and I said well let me tell you how this is going to work <laughs> <laughs> I didn't I was, even realize that was a practice neither did I to be honest wow Holy well it's not is it you're not going to do it are you 
Oh yeah, I'm signed up, mate. Yeah. <laughs> oh great. Money's Perfect. money, right? It was a lot of money, so it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're paying a ton per hour, so it's fine. It's fine with 50 me. Fifty bucks, you know, <laughs> uh, for the whole time. No, I, I, I told him. I said, no way. Like, yeah, yeah, I, I completely disagree with with that uh, way of working because it's there's no trust, is there? Straight right. away. Yep. And it's like when you're working with a client, there has to be that that element of trust there with between both of you. Right. Um, so, so I don't, yeah, expand on that list then, because you're you're running Metal Boop and you have clients, and if there's like a checklist you're running through before you say, yeah, this is for sure someone I want to work with. What's that checklist? Uh, good. Well, I mean, the, the three main points were the ones I, I sort of went over. Really, definitely, obviously, yeah. it's the financial thing is is major because we're in an industry where it, it's extremely competitive and a lot of people want to do it and there are websites that survive on banging out logos for five bucks a piece and we're competing against that and um and all sorts of other things so it's you know there's always going to be someone that will do the job cheaper but it's 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 not really about that it's about kind of the quality of work and i think so for me yeah that's that's the first stage is it's always you know you've just got to do that but but then it's yeah it's how are we going to work together with are we going to get on is this guy going to dictate everything sure because i you know i certainly think um the way i try to do it with a lot of people is i try to make it more of a collaboration uh especially when you're branding someone because you're going to be working yeah. with those guys for for months sure or sometimes days, depending on <laughs> what it is. And so you need to be able to make it more of a collaborative project uh, process. Um, so, yeah, I, I, that, the tick box is very much, uh, you know, am I going to like these people uh, and, and what will I get from it? Sure. So let's uh, let's jump into your work then, because we've talked about you and background, but we really haven't talked about the work that you've put out. Oh, yeah. And... Um, uh, so I think straight away, one thing that stands out to me that I would love to hear more about is the uh, uh, Rio 2016 campaign. I think this is with Visa and then the Rio Olympics. But when you go to your site, it's one of the first things you see. Uh, I I don't know what you call this because I'm not in the world you're in, but I assume it's some type of digital composition and uh, illustration and stuff. But um, maybe talk about that project. And it this feels really different than a lot of the other things that I'm seeing on your site uh, because most of what I'm seeing seems to be directly illustration or graphic um, based or graphic based. And then again, this feels more like compositing images together and digitally manipulating them. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, first that was a Saatchi job, first of all. Okay. And, um, it was, it was basically, uh, so I, st- what I started off doing actually was before a lot of the graphic work and the kind of more vector based uh, sort of design and artwork was, uh, was collage. Mm. and uh because i couldn't draw i still can't draw particularly well um and again my my reaction to wanting to express myself creatively was to to collage and i found i really loved doing that sort of work and that medium and uh, a lot of the early music music work that i worked on was was collage based um so with that campaign that was uh that was a great one because it was uh we had to pitch for the work um 
even though we as a client owned uh, worked with Visa. Mm. And uh, so between myself and uh, my two friends, uh, this creative team, uh, Mike and Ben, Mike Whiteside and Ben, uh, I can't remember his last name. Let's call him Mike and Ben. You'll yeah. uh, hate that. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We, yeah, we came up with this campaign and it was uh, the original route was like a double exposure kind of uh, uh, the best way to describe it would be, you know, the true detective opening yep. sequence. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah, similar sort of look to that. And uh, it was beautiful. It looked really good. And uh, uh, well, the true detective thing did my work was oh. terrible. <laughs> but, um, and we got through it. We won the pitch on that. And that was very, I mean, it, it was at a point where uh, I was working on it from you know 9 a.m till 7 or 8 p.m and i was going home and we were having a, a we booked another designer to work all through the night to get everything ready for this pitch so i would come in in the morning and some dude who i would never meet has just like totally ripped apart all of my work and mm. you're trying to find all the layers and files and going what is going on um, but we got through it and, and we made it happen. And this is a good one because this was the first project also where I, f- I felt afterwards I could call myself an art director properly. Um, because I, as it turns out, I realized inadvertently I'd art directed loads and loads of projects before, but it never clicked in my head that actually, Oh yeah, I can do this. It's really weird. Um, so with this project, we, then won the pitch, but they didn't like the original idea. So we, uh, between the creatives and the head of design and all of us, we came up with this concept of, of the collage, right, of the heart. And uh, the idea was to use the heart as a metaphor for um, Visa's tagline, which is Visa is always on. So we're talking about Rio, like the heart of the Olympics is always pumping. and The heart of the Olympian is always running or, or whatever the, the the line was so you know you had those really great uh lines working yeah. with nice graphic and it just kind of all came together um so the creatives went off and did uh, the motion uh the head of design and i were kind of like coming up with this this sort of mixture of it was like 3d rendered objects uh-huh. and yep. uh we worked with this great production agency and uh yeah i mean we, we were just getting stuff through and um it wasn't quite working in terms of the files so i, I said to the head of design like who's like lovely lovely guy such a nice guy uh, a guy called bruno really talented I said mate we need we need to kind of move this on a stage to get it working and he said well why don't you go into the studio and and, and direct them i was like yeah, yeah, sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to go and get lunch, so yeah. So, I'll, I'll that. Uh, so that was it, I, and I was going to this studio, and and you meet, you know, I mean, their production, and um, it, it was a company that used to do. Um, they were like the art working phase, so like the last stage before ads would go to print for like billboards and, and newspapers. Uh, but they now do, they have this suite of 3d rendering guys, you know, sweaty dudes in this little room. On cinema. We have a name. <laughs> <laughs> you beautiful people. <laughs> um, 
And yeah, so I'm down there chatting to these guys about uh, soccer, uh, and they were proper like mock me. All right, Gordon, how you doing, mate? Yeah. And I'm directing this team of people like we tweak that, move that, and it, yeah, it was. And, and then it was rolling it out. It was taking that ownership of the campaign and, and developing all of the guides and the rules. And uh, so, yeah, it just went from, it was one of those jobs where I knew it was going to be an absolute beast to work on, but it's, it's the Olympics. And, it a milestone. Yeah, yeah, totally, man. And it, that, that ad ran, I mean, it was, it was mad because, when I took it on and and we got it, agreed the artwork and, and everyone loved it and I was happy. Then it was about just making this artwork work for countries all around the world. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. And Something like that, it's a it's global and you have to think globally about how that, that functions and everything. I, I got the opportunity to go to those Olympics and oh, wow. to see to see all of the one of my one of my favorite parts about that Olympics specifically is how well um, I felt like everything was branded and how well everything carried through um, in the city. Like when I was at Rio, everything had yours and the, you know, a swell of other people's work everywhere, all over the buildings, all over the streets, all over everything. Um, The whole city embraced that idea and so for something that's like massive like the olympics that's 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 definitely a resume builder if nothing else um (laughs) i do i do want to know um one other piece and then we'll go into our finals um you got the opportunity to work uh on the elon musk uh uh biography book so how did that project come about um and obviously elon musk is uh in notorious in uh infamy right now uh for being he's the he's the creator or the owner ceo of tesla right yeah whatever right. his title is he's the tesla guy right he's the guy who's responsible well, right for now he's the, the space guy has a car floating in space right now so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um so uh how did that project come about and uh and and what was the Obviously, this is a much different take than the than the Olympic stuff. This is very graphic heavy. This is very icon, you know, based. What? How did this project come about? And then, and what was the take on it? Oh, I just phoned Elon and said, "Hey, let's do your book cover, right?" Perfect. That's easy. <laughs> cool. That's how every job happens, right? Done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, just phone Elon Musk. <laughs> Got him on speed, though. Um, no, I, I actually this was so. Strangely enough, it was I did a um, like a concertina fold out book uh, a few maybe four years ago now actually, and that that particular at the time uh, when I did it, uh, I'd been doing a lot of music work again, and it was one of those that I swear I keep swearing I won't I'll never work on an album again I can't be bothered it's rubbish, and then you do loads, and then uh, you know you can't get paid for some of them and it all anyway. So I was a bit sort of down and I was like, you know, I don't know where the next paycheck's going to come from. And, uh, that book I started sending out to places and over the, it, still today, over the course of the years, people have been like, yeah, you sent me a pack like two years ago. I love your work. I've got something for you. And that's how Saatchi came about. It was the oh. same book. 
and that's how Tesla came about. It was um, uh, Faber and Faber, the publishers, um, who do a lot of good stuff. Uh, they do a lot of great music books, actually. Um, but they had the rights to do this, this one of these biographies. And um, it was written by, I think it was his PA, someone that's been very close to Elon Musk for, for a very, very long time. Uh, and he'd written it, and their art director got in touch, and he and, and that was it. He said, "I think your work would be really good for this cover." Um, and I'd always wanted to do a book cover. Mm. It was it really was one that I wanted to tick off the list. And um, well, excuse me, my voice went then. Just getting emotional talking about. <laughs> yeah, listen, your work is in space, kind of. So it's fine. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> it should be in space. Just get it up there. No one needs to see it. Get it up there. Get it no one can hear it scream. Um, so uh, when you, so we'll shift this uh, conversation now to the final so that we can be aware of your time and, and keep this bite-sized. Oh, we'll keep everybody. it going, man. I'm enjoying this. Yeah. But you, you just mentioned, so here's mine. You just mentioned that uh, checking the, checking one off the list, essentially the book, a book cover off the list. Um, what's a project uh, you've done a ton, right? So, just to clarify, if you if you're unfamiliar uh, with Gordon's stuff, go to his website and you can see you do you do a little bit of everything. But what's the one thing you haven't done yet that you're itching to do? Um, the one either type of project or the specific client that you're clamoring to work with. I got two actually at the moment, and I only realized this quite recently. Uh, I still haven't done a beer packaging. Mm, okay. Really Everybody weird. wants to do beer. I'm like, this is like a trend we're hearing. Okay, keep going. Yeah, I know, and I, I'm not. Even, I'm kind of you know done with beer at the moment. You know, I'm drinking wine here. Like that's that's the thing. But I think I don't know. I just especially. I mean, uh, like over there. I mean, uh, you know, I was in New York uh, a couple of times uh, last year, and I mean the bars there for years now. Actually, if, if just you know, you walk into a great bar in New York or, or wherever it is. And it's microbrewed stuff. Right? Yeah, there's, sure. there's not a lot of kind of premium lager right. on tap so much. You get Samuel Adams or whatever. But um, and that wave came over to the UK a few years ago, and now everyone, you know, in their garage or, or their basement or whatever, is brewing some horrible concoction. <laughs> oh yeah, you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know about. So it. I went to a wedding where. And I think the groom, maybe it was either him or his friend, like did all the beer for the wedding. And so I was very excited because I like the descriptions were good and I was pumped and, and all that kind of stuff. It is some of the worst stuff I've tasted in my life. <laughs> and the problem is that was like the beer for the wedding. Like that was what that's all you were getting. Um, man, what a letdown. I hate <laughs> I, what I would have done to just really had anything else other than that in that moment. Um yeah, so maybe some people just shouldn't be doing it, but yeah, that's true. Sorry, right. you want to you want to do uh, beer labels? What's the other thing you said? Oh, I can't remember now. What was the other thing? Um, beer labels and I, like a restaurant or a bar or okay. something brand yeah. that like, yeah. I've never done. Yeah, I came I came close a couple of times, and I came close to a, a sort of alcoholic drink. Mm. This guy came to me; it was brilliant. He had a, he wanted to do a like a, a Red Bull, alcoholic Red Bull kind of drink. Yeah, okay. And, yeah. Uh, I was like, yeah, I'm up for it. Sounds fantastic. 
thinking at the back of my mind, who would ever drink that drink? <laughs> <laughs> well, people do, and but I think it, aren't they like illegal here now? Yeah, it, people have been hospitalized. Uh, one was. <laughs> Uh, what was it? It was some weird name. Uh, balls? For, Wasn't there one called no, Balls? Four Loco. Four Loco. Four Loco. Oh, I've heard about this. Yeah, yeah, I have heard about it. Yeah. Be, be, be okay that you didn't get that yeah, one. Let's you, just... I, it feels like you dodged a bullet there, so. Yeah. Yeah. And there's been some good bullets. But, I mean, this one was the same. I think he went to legal and, and mm. people were like, are you, nope. are you mad? Like, we're not going to let you release this yeah. drink. <laughs> you can't do this. Um, so I'll, I'll jump in real quick. So I know that something that's important to you, cause we talked before the show about this, but also you've mentioned it a couple of times and you, you said the word, um, um, educator and you talked about education and learning. And I know that, uh, one of the things you go to your site, that's very prominent is your speaking schedule and the events that you do. So, uh, talk a bit about that, the role that, um, uh, you know, kind of taking the knowledge you have and the experience you've gained and turning around and, and trying to give that to someone else maybe talk about that for a bit and then also it's a great opportunity to talk about the events that you have coming up as well it sounds great yeah well um i I kind of got into it in a strange way because uh i never really considered it for for a long time and then a friend of mine uh texted me and said do you want to stand in on this on this talk and it was about 300 people um in london and uh it was the lineup was really good. He had some really good designers that were talking. That I'm still friends with now, and uh, I did it and and enjoyed it. Like quite enjoy. I was nervous as hell. Um, it, like everyone had to sit on the front row that was speaking, and like, every, you know people would be sat there with like a beer. I hate that. Yeah, it's horrible. Like watching other people that are really good at talking just like nail it, and then you're like, oh, I've got to beat that. Like. Um, <laughs> It was really hard, yeah. but uh, it was um, there was a particular time. It was about a year and a half ago, and I had you know I had some friends that do talks, and um, uh, it was about. I just thought you know I quite fancy doing some more of these things. I think it'd be quite fun, and I knew that I really wanted to. It was a, at the time I was setting middle group up as this design and branding agency. Um, I thought what better way of kind of advertising myself than to, uh, than to do these talks. And so I just, I just started putting my name out there a little bit uh, for conferences and, um, some started to come through. Uh, and I just, yeah, it was brilliant. Like, so I did last year, uh, I started off at in Amsterdam, uh, then moved over to off festival in Barcelona and things kind of started to snowball after that. Um, and basically, the reasoning for doing it is because I really, yeah. Like you, first of all, you feel like you're giving something back, right? You're helping people out mm-hmm. uh, that might need a bit of guidance or a bit of inspiration in, in their in their job, their career. Uh, second of all, I, I really like kind of performing in front of people, and, uh, and I think uh, a, lot, a lot of talks that I've done uh, or seen uh, over the years. You kind of, they're kind of they're very self-indulgent, right? And um, you've got the, the vibe where you stand on the podium and you go, hey, this is my work and isn't it great? And my life's cool. And you're like, oh, why don't you just, yeah, why don't you take a walk off a... Like, no one wants to do that. Yeah, <laughs> right, I don't right. want to hear yeah. this guy. 
you know, massaging his own ego. Um, so I thought what, what would be great would be to kind of start talking to people about creative failures and, and focus on the fact that actually it's really okay to fail and, and learn from those failures. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just make, try and make people laugh a lot. <laughs> that, <laughs> Which no, has that's been a great, great strategy. Yeah. yeah. So I pick people on people in the crowd and I just walk up and down and just have a good, you know, it's great fun. Um, so, yeah, I think like that, that's kind of why I did it. And, and all of these talks, these conferences have led to more stuff. So uh, off festival, uh, Adobe were sponsoring that. So they got me to do like a filmed interview, which is kind of like a kid's TV show or something. It's a bit weird. Um, and from that, they they started commissioning me to do artwork for, for them at Adobe uh, and brought me over to, they do like a live, I don't know if you've ever heard of Adobe live. They yeah, do like a, yeah. 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 Um, so I did one of those in Paris, nice. um, which was really cool. Uh, and just, just all of that sort of stuff. They kind of snowball and the FC talk, um, which apparently didn't go, I thought it went great. They beg to differ. <laughs> <laughs> So I won't be back there, I don't I think. We need you to stand on stage and talk about I your work. We don't need you to make people laugh. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. They said that to me. They said that. They said, <laughs> you know what? We don't need a joker. <laughs> like, yeah, you do. It's boring. Like, you got people talking about boring stuff. Like, I want to make people laugh. I want to, if nothing else, entertain myself. And they're like, no, you know, if you're going to tell jokes, you've got to be like, really big right I'm like how why why would a, you need to be what, what an interesting you after you were done yeah uh, via email like really like cold emails like uh, and, uh, yeah you've got to, you've got to like be really big to to do that I'm like what so only Stefan Sagmeister or whoever can, can make a joke in a conference like that's that's nonsense wow um, <laughs> so I didn't, yeah so but that led to doing i did a headline thought at work in rochester new york mm. uh a couple of months ago and that was from that conference yeah. nice um, but they but they, you were allowed to tell jokes yeah 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 no they yeah, were very yeah, strict you can you can talk you can come to new york no jokes though you can't say a no single jokes. joke you can't even <laughs> look funny yeah honestly and that was great i got uh some guy was driving me around for my friend tim he picked me he picked me up at the airport and for like five or six days just driving me everywhere lovely guy and it was a dry campus Mm. Mm -hmm. i kind of went there thinking you know it's a university everyone's going to be like out partying and it was very different like I couldn't wait to have a beer over there and everyone was kind of like, Hey, yeah, this is the the, the rowing society and this is the hockey society. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) But where is the beer? You're like, where's the beer? Where's the microbrew beer? (laughs) And I had to get this guy, this poor guy, Tim, to smuggle me in some beer because uh, before I went on and um, he went, how many beers do you want? I said, I don't know, six. (laughs) <laughs> it's like clinking clinking into my dressing room <laughs> and he's got two beers and he's like 
mate, if, if I got caught with six beers, that would be it. Like that'd be <laughs> right. Hey, listen, Gordon, that is the exact kind of story you're not allowed to tell at the Adobe Live event, <laughs> just so we're clear. Yeah. That story yeah, is way that, too funny. The way that you <laughs> jingled in like that. Were they at least <laughs> tall boys though? Tall boys, uh, <laughs> no, they were like pasty white guys. Oh. <laughs> 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 You know what I mean? No yeah, one's yeah, kissed yeah. a girl over there. Right, right. All right. Well, I love every part of that. I'm going to round us out. I'm going to round us out with my final question. Uh, so you've talked about music. You talked about being in bands. You mentioned Mogwai, which is a great band. I love Mogwai. If you were going to be in a successful band and be able to do that, what music would you be playing? What kind of band would you be in? Um... Well, I mean, so I, I, I started, actually, I started a band uh, a couple of years ago with the creative that uh, we did the uh, Olympics with. And because uh, we loved, we, we just had, to, we had a lot of chats around that time uh, around like, you know, Deftones and yeah. uh, all of those sort of like, I suppose, like kind of new metal bands sure. and then sort of progressive, heavy, heavy rock uh who else is in that sort of list? Oh, there's, there's hundreds in there. Mm-hmm. I could name. Um, and we, we kind of said, well, why don't we start a band and do that sort of music? So we, we, we got together. It was me, uh, this guy, Mike, my friend, Mike and his friends on drums. And we went into this horrible North London, uh, studio, just like it was like it was, you go there. It was a, below a bakery, so you go in and it would smell fantastic. Yeah, like you smell apes, and you get down into the basement, into the like vaults, this horrible place, and it would just smell like body odor and like weed, stale beer, and you're like, okay, I, I get the kind of vibe. Yeah, and yeah, we just played. So we we said we we're going to play Deftones. We we're going to play one Deftones track and then start jamming and see what comes from there. And we just ended up playing. Real noise kind of music, so, nice. like really horrible. Yeah, yeah. Again, like Melvins and okay. uh, all that sort of stuff. Just really dingy, like ten minute tracks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we had a Bronco. We were lovely. We were like, we're, we're going to put this out there, and I'm playing it to my friends in Mogwai, and like really nervous. I'm like, what do you think of this? Like, and they were like, yeah, it's quite good. Yeah, nice. and I'm thinking maybe I should ask them if I can support them on a tour or something. <laughs> And then we, yeah, we, we had the, the, we, we, we quit the band. We finished the band because, um, we had this idea. We, we rehearsed on Monday nights and, uh, we had this idea of if we rehearsed on a Thursday or Friday, it would stop us from like going out at the weekend. Sure. And party. Mm. Um, so we, let's do that. And, it, but it just got to the point where like, one or two of us would turn up and the other one would still be out partying anyway. <laughs> that way, hey, you know what? A for effort. That was sound logic going into that. You know, you should <laughs> for, for the attempt. Absolutely. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, the, we, we wanted to sound like bands like Slint and Coding and you okay. just reminded me that uh, Coding never song A for effort. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. That was quite a nice segue. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good. I knew Good that. I, tra- I was trying to set you up. 
Uh, he me up with a really obscure American. He just uh, Destiny's uh, like, I'll help him out with this reference. Yeah. One second. I'm the resident music guy. <laughs> yeah. uh, on, no, I was going to say, this is like the first episode where I actually knew the bands the guest was talking about. Because normally, <laughs> Luke is the only one that can follow because it's just, they're talking about garbage that I would never listen to. <laughs> But you've no, actually, actually the, the band garbage. Yeah. No. Well, you've, actually, yeah. <laughs> no you've actually referenced. Uh, it's great. They're, they're bands that I actually know and listen to and grew up listening to. And by grew up, I mean like high school, college. That was, <laughs> that was my jam. That's awesome. So, oh, okay. so uh, up to I listened to Barney growing up. <laughs> high school or college. Until, until, yeah. Until high school. Uh, yeah. He was listening to Barney. That's when I made um, the shift. Tell everybody where they can find you, where they can see the work that you do. They can follow along. They can support what you're doing. Um, so you can get me at, uh, at my website, which is uh, middleboop.com, B-O-O-P, Peter.com. Uh, that's when you can see my work. I'm on Instagram. In fact, basically, if you just Google Middle Boop, then that, that you'll find me on. All, I'm on all sorts of things. Instagram, Instagram's the big one for me at the moment. I, I seem to be doing well where, on that. Where does that name come from, Gordon? Where does Middle Boop come from? That is, uh, I get asked that a lot, strange. It's not a surprise, but uh, it basically, so when I was still at university, um, I started Middle Boop with a friend of mine. And we just had this idea that, well, I, I wanted to get to the top of Google for whatever I did yeah. without being too much effort. So coming up with a name that made absolutely no sense uh, seemed to seemed to be the, the fair reasoning to do that. So we were at a festival. My friends run this amazing – we used to run an amazing festival in the UK where they would have it at like – they have one in America actually, but um, they would have it at like holiday camps. Okay. And um, so the deal was you would go and see this amazing lineup but you would have, you could stay at this holiday camp. So um, they had three stages that were already kitted out and they would get like really good sound guys from London and they'd book like Nick Cave and Iggy Pop and people right. like that to play. Um, and the deal was that no one's a superstar there. Mm. No one's, you know, everyone can just walk around and meet people. So you'd be in like a pizza hut and like Warren Ellis, the violinist from Nick Cave would be having a, a pizza buffet next to you. Like, yeah. And you could just go and chat because they were really, not, you know, the yeah. weird things like that. And it was a really beautiful kind of bubble yeah. uh, in in the UK for a long time. And uh, that was that was a cool thing because I, that was when I sort of realised actually I can kind of if if people like that are just um, if it was the first time I realised that the people that I kind of idolised were just real people trying yeah. to do something creative. Yeah. Um, so that was when we kind of had that spark. We were sort of like, well, maybe we should do something that we actually really like instead of just, you know, doing some, going into a design job and right. doing crap work, you know? Uh, so it was like an in-joke from that festival, the two words, and we just put them together and it wasn't that funny. It's not that, anyway, it wasn't funny 10 years ago. It's got even <laughs> less funny now. <laughs> I love your, I love your, uh, like your complete self awareness <laughs> and an open, uh, and an open, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, crap. Where, uh, like 
it's not self-loathing, but it's self-deprecation. Self, yeah, <laughs> deprecation. I love it. It's 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 beautiful. I knew he was trying to say the word deprecation, but I just wanted to see him struggle a little bit longer. What a dick. All right. Hey, <laughs> well, um, would you do us a favor and help us draw tokens so that we know what we're talking about next week? No. I'm not going to do that. All right. All right well, it was nice talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. Um, let's do it. What have you got? Let's draw a token. All right. That's it for the interview portion. Up next, we're going to draw some tokens. The tokens portion every week is when we get to find out exactly the categories we have, and then we pick our topics based on those categories. I've got the tokens here. I'm going to lay them down face down in front of me. I'm going to shuffle them around on my desk. I can't see them. You can't see them. But Gordon, if you would be so kind um, as to give me a number between one and three, you'll be picking for Luke. I'm going to say two. Luke, you have art and design. Awesome. We can't make this up. Uh, go be, give, give me a number between one or two. Nope. Just a number of one or two. And uh, we'll pick it for Patrick. I'm going to say one. Patrick, you got TV and film. Hey. That means that I have toys and games. I think for the several severalth week in a row. Um, man, you are a blast, Gordon. Thank yeah. you so much for coming on. Make sure you check out his stuff. Um, support him. Follow him. If he's going to be at an event in your area, uh, go out there and uh, tell him that you you heard him on the show, and uh, and he'll give you fifty bucks. Um, <laughs> at least that's what he told us off air. I'll so, tell you what, um, I don't have fifty bucks. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I meant to say, give him fifty bucks when yeah, you yeah. see him. Bucks. Um, yeah. Just give, if, if you uh, see him, just give me money. That's great. That'd be great. And don't worry, he will not be funny. He has learned his lesson. Yeah. Um, I've been told that. Yeah. <laughs> go to uh, mf1podcast.com if you want to find show notes and links to all the stuff that we just talked about if you're watching this on youtube just look below uh, in the links you can find everything you need to know and everything you need to see to connect to all of gordon's stuff um, as well as our archive with a ton of other people um who uh, including dave clayton who we uh so uh, lovingly referred to a couple times in this episode um go check out that episode um but while you're uh, while you're on there uh, whether on YouTube or on uh, Spotify or iHeartRadio or Google Play or iTunes or wherever it is you're listening or watching or taking in this content, like, share, subscribe, review, rate, do all the things, comment. You know how to do this stuff. You're 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 modern people. You're we believe adult. in you. <laughs> yeah, you're an adult. You can you can make this happen. So sharing is caring, everybody. That's that's super helpful to us. If you want to support the show beyond that, you can go to patreon.com slash M of one podcast and throw a couple of bucks in the old proverbial bucket. It will help us to continue to do what we do um, and hopefully get better at it. Fingers crossed. Um Am I missing something? We're going to be at Crop in a couple of weeks, and we're going to be at uh, Creative South uh, the week after that. We have a, uh, a workshop there. I know that there's only a few tickets left for Crop, so if you're watching this uh, on release day, you may still have a chance to get a few tickets. Um, otherwise, uh, they're going very, very fast. Creative South is the same exact way. I think for now, we're going to get out of here, though. I'm Andrew. I'm Patrick. I'm Luke. I'm Gordon. Peace out. Bye. Hold on to your butts. Sayonara, suckers.